0: Gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Food Brothers Podcast. You got Eric and Kyle. And today we have a very special guest, Keelan Bailey, Vice President of Training and Development at Rumble Boxing. Keelan, welcome to the show.
1: Now Hey, I thanks met-
0: guys. My pleasure to be
2: here.
1: No problem. I we met you well, probably a few years ago now. Um I know I did some Rumble classes, and for anybody that's listening, Rumble is A fitness style martial arts program using boxing, and I do think they do a little bit of uh, Muay Thai stuff in their one-on-one drills, but I got such a good workout and I was so impressed, but where we really know you from is we did an initiative back a while ago where we flew up Michelle Watterson and you helped us raise some money for the Budo Youth Fund, so Everybody listening, this person is a star. She's super passionate and one of the best motivators I've ever seen. Keelan, tell everybody a little bit about uh, about uh, yourself.
2: Yeah, for sure. Um, so I'm I'm one of the founders at Rumble, um, and our our product is Fight Club meets nightclub is what we do. So our goal is to bring. Um, the fun side of boxing and make it approachable and something fun that everybody can do. Um, and we we host that in a nightclub setting, so the classes are set to the beat of the music, the lights are dark. It's a fun, like full immersive physical, mental, emotional experience. So that's that's a really our bread and butter, what we do at Rumble. Um, for myself. I came to martial arts uh, in my early 20s. um, came to it through uh, Muay Thai. Um, so that was my background in martial arts. Just fell in love with the sport. I always rode horses uh, when I was uh, growing up. That was my thing for, you know, the first 20 plus years of my life. And then uh, found martial arts and really fell in love with, with Muay Thai. Um, so I've been doing that. Yeah, over 10 years now, um, coming up on on 15, I guess, years doing Muay Thai. um, Got a few fights under my belt um, and then had the opportunity to collaborate with some other really incredible um, and inspiring entrepreneurs to open Rumble in Calgary in 2016. Um, And since we opened our first location on 17th Ave, we've now since opened three more with our Fifth corporate store opening in Toronto later in uh, later this winter.
0: Wow! So explosive growth from the sounds mm-hmm. of things. Because I think when we first met you, I think you only had one or two studios. When yeah. We, yeah. Just the two
2: yeah. Yeah, I think when you guys came through, I think you guys came through in two thousand nineteen. Um, so you know, before we all knew what a global pandemic was, we were <laughs> yeah. uh, we were doing. <laughs> Some cool stuff in the studio, um, and then yeah. Since I since I met you guys in person, we have launched two locations in Vancouver. Um, we're in process of launching our our first Toronto location, as I mentioned, and we've also gone to franchise. So we've uh, we've sold our first couple of franchise licenses, and we have our first franchise location opening um, in early
1: twenty twenty three. That's awesome. So we love talking about entrepreneurship,
2: and you
1: know, ideas are a dime a dozen. And you obviously did Muay Thai and competed such a long time ago and became passionate about it. How do you say that you took an idea like that and a passion and actually created it and now we're living it and, and doing it in such a high level and, and being so successful in business? What tools did you use? What mindset did you use? Did you know that you were going to do this or was it all a surprise?
2: I think, you know, I have to give a lot of credit to, uh, to our CEO, um, CeCe Chen, on that. She really set the vision for us. Um, and she visualized a product that didn't exist at the time. She visualized something that would bring together the nightclub side with the uh, martial arts side. And she set about assembling a team that could make that happen. Um, so when I came into it, I brought the, um, I, I came into it as kind of the face of the product because I could put together the music with the technical, with the personality and the, um, the inspirational side of things. And so that's, uh, that's where I came in and that's what I've continued to do over the years now is continuing to develop our product from the vision that CC had then I took that product and made it a reality. Um, And then developing the training systems and the tools and all of that stuff. So, you know, the initial spark, I really really have to give that credit to her. And I think that as a team, what has allowed us to grow so explosively and to stay so focused is, um, you know, we stay disciplined um we keep it real with ourselves we never get caught up in the excitement of of the success you know it's always like okay yeah 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 what's next okay great that launched we did our jobs what's next um and we're really really careful about about getting sucked into the into the clouds on things i think you see this with a lot of um people as they start to taste success they um they just focus on the success they don't focus on what's next
0: and take their foot off the gas pedal and then mm-hmm. before you know it the young up and comer comes and takes your lunch
2: <laughs> that, that's absolutely it and i think um i think b- getting distracted is another thing it's really easy to get distracted around like oh well you know in our in, in our case a berries is coming oh this is coming that's coming we should do whatever you know we should pivot we should we should uh, Try something different to keep up. And I think what we've always done is, you know what, fuck the competition. I don't know if i sorry if I'm not supposed to say it We're saying this. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we, fuck the competition. This is what we do, blinders on. We're going to keep ourselves focused on what we do. We're going to keep our team focused on what we do. And the competition's going to do what the competition's going to do. Um, but if we focus on reacting, then you're always in that reaction cycle rather than focusing on, um, no, we have a vision. We know what we need to do to be the best. We know what our goals are and, um, we're going to achieve those goals. And those goals are always lofty. (laughs) And, uh, you know, sometimes, especially with this global pandemic, it's taken us maybe a little longer to hit some of those goals, but, um, I can't think of one that we haven't hit as a business.
0: Nice. I want to hear more about that because the pandemic knocked out a lot of businesses and mm-hmm. a lot of businesses did not survive. They, mm-hmm. ha- they were forced to close. I want to know what it was like to all of a sudden get the notice that your physical location is to be shut down and you're, gonna have to just figure it out and by the way you still have to pay rent walk us through that
2: yeah it was wild (laughs) there's there's nothing else to be said for it it was wild um and we were of the mentality in the early days before we really knew what was going to happen we were of the mentality that we will you know we'll continue to operate and before we had any concept of the scale of of anything, and then I remember the Monday before the official closure, um, we were trying to operate the business that day, and you could just feel the fear from staff and from clients and whatever. And so we we decided that night to voluntarily close. I remember um, we were going we were checking the six thirty class in, and I was like, "No, we're we're good. We're open. No worries, guys." because clients were afraid they were asking us. And then I got on the phone with, um, with my CEO and with a couple other members of the executive team. And we just were like, this is the direction this is going, we got to, we got to stop now, we got to close now. And then the next day, we were, um, we were, uh, would have been mandated to close. Um, But I remember that, that feeling the next day of just like, it was like being punched in the gut, you just felt I woke up the next day and I was like, I I I got nothing. I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but we were in a really we were so fortunate going into that because we had managed our business since day one, um, always with a startup mentality. So. We never operated any level of our business with any extra fat. So all profit just went straight to the bank account and and stayed there. Um, we always operated our business kind of from that, not a scarcity mindset, but from a mindset of um, we gotta be ready for anything.
1: You put some reserves in the tank for a dark day.
2: Yeah, yeah. And we we had done that since we opened in 2016. Um, and so we were in a good position um, financially. We had an incredible group of, uh, we have, I should say, an incredible group of um, shareholders who uh, supported us and, you know, stepped back and didn't take dividends, didn't request anything. They just let us do what we needed to do. Um so we were very, very fortunate as com- as opposed to many smaller businesses that maybe didn't have that luxury of, of having access to cash. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: so, so did you have ahead? to, did you have to raise money or take debt or, or what did you do to,
2: I mean, you obviously had some reserves, um, yep. but I mean, we did that take on that, we, we jumped in immediately with um, with BDC. I think BDC put out the small business loan and we were the first loan that they gave in Canada. We were the very first one.
1: Wow, wow. on it. So we were on it.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <Damn> <laughs> on it. Um, yeah. And so we just we just gathered up everything that we could right at the beginning of the pandemic, not knowing what things were going to look like. We just gathered everything we could so that we knew that we could weather whatever was ahead um and then from there it became a matter of pivots um and i think that's the that's the other thing that we really focused on throughout the pandemic was how can we pivot obviously to serve our community that's important and that's that's why we're here right is to is to serve our community and our community is who is going to get us through this that's who needs to come through but we also really tried to pivot in ways that would allow us to um, put cash in the bank as well. Um, And and to never just be in that situation where the doors are open and and you're just burning through packs without any revenue coming in. I know that was a huge problem for a lot of fitness studios. So
0: did you switch to Zoom? How did you keep revenue coming in the door?
2: Uh, We switched to Zoom, but I think the most important thing for us that allowed us to see it through is that we're not just a single product studio. So we do have, you mentioned at the beginning, Kyle, um, we've got the heavy bag product. That's our primary product. Um, But we have a really robust personal training team and a really robust personal training product. And so we leaned into that hard. Um, And fortunately, through a lot of the pandemic, one-on-one training or martial arts-based training was permitted. Mm. So we were able to adjust whether it was our spacing, whether it was our, you know, no contact one-on-one training, whether it was whatever it was, we were able to pivot a lot through the private training product that allowed us to continue to serve our community and also continue to keep our staff employed um, and also drive revenue um, during those really tough months.
0: So you didn't have to uh, do mid-drills through a, a plastic C3
2: bag? <laughs> <laughs> we were wondering about that. We, we, we were close to putting in plexi. Like, you know, some of the, oh, the yeah. studios did the plexi. Yeah. We were close to doing that. We never did, but yeah. uh, we we did consider
1: it. And, and so, you know, we're talking a lot about failure, and I don't know if this is the case, but probably one of the more challenging experiences that you've been through as a business COVID business we find is a mixture of molding chaos and failure and it's just continually that it's just mm-hmm. how do you deal with it how you persevere through it what do you do to deal with failure and cope with constant chaos and how do you organize it so that you got through times like that mm-hmm. and how do you I... keep, how do you keep yourself sane like do you meditate do you just use fitness what do you do
2: yeah, the, that's, I mean, great questions. I think <laughs> to answer the first part of the question on how do you um, deal with failure and how do you keep moving forward? It's always having not just plan A, but A, B, C, D, E, F, G, and on and on and on. Um, And we learned pretty quickly for the first couple of pivots what... Um, what those plans could look like. So then we started laying out, okay, well, if the government does this, we're going to do this. If they do this, we're going to do this. If they do this, we do this. And then it was a lot easier to be prepared ahead of time because we'd already thought through all of the scenarios and it was just a small tweak to, you know, they sent out this set of regulations and we could just make a small tweak to one of our options and off we went. Um, So, yeah, planning for all the scenarios rather than just maybe the best or the worst case scenario, um, I think, was really what got us through on that side of things. Um, Personally, in terms of how do I stay sane, fitness, definitely a big part of it. Um, I make sure that, well, during the pandemic, I started training with our team like one on one, two or three days a week. And that's something that I've continued doing where. I see one of the guys in the studio three days a week and I do not miss it ever. Um, That's critical for me. Um, And the other one for me is, is walking. I go, like I walk every day. I just go walk. I clear my head. It's kind of that moving meditation Um, and sleep. I really prioritize my sleep. That's a, that's kind of the third huge one for me that helps keep me sane. Very cool. And along that
1: like i do the walking i do the meditation do you need to take breaks do you take rest times like how do you get it so that it's just like not over consuming because you know sometimes when you're in business it it can take over everything it takes over all your thoughts how how do you how do you manage that work life balance yeah
2: it's it's hard it's mm-hmm. hard especially in the early days it was um it was really hard because with you know with our business we operate 6 a.m. to 9 p.m. and um, seven days a week. And it's it's really hard. Um, I think the biggest thing that's helped me with that is assembling a phenomenal team. Um, so they handle so much of the day-to-day now that it really takes a lot of pressure um, off of myself. Uh, and then I do have to force myself to unplug sometimes. Mm-hmm. I have to force myself. That's part of why I, I train I try to get out to yoga every now and then because it just forces you um, to unplug. And then I also have to work really hard to make sure that I block at least a day where I'm off my um, devices and I'm not in the studio. I, tr- I work really hard. And that's something that I'm um, really disciplined. It's a discipline. I have to be disciplined about it because I can just get sucked into, into things if I don't really consciously say, no, I, I'm not working on on this one day every week beautiful so a
0: full day of just unplugging disconnecting and no matter what's going on in the world you're at peace with the present moment which is one of the hardest things to do especially in this chaotic time let's
2: be real she still checks her phone let's let's be real by by unplugged I mean I'm not in the studio and I'm not constantly on my email but I, I do still check my phone
1: Still getting triggered by it's the IG. Vicious, so, yeah. cycle. <laughs>
2: but I I'll can't. tell you what I have made a commitment to myself that I do not do and I will not do. The Apple Watch is a no for me. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Good idea. Yeah.
1: Good I idea. can't. That and TikTok. Stay away from TikTok.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: it's dangerous, man.
0: Hey, yeah. That's a time suck. But anyways. Yeah. One thing I love about... Rumble boxing that is really in line with what Budo Brothers is all about, is inspiring people that might have never trained in their lives to give it a shot. And I feel like a Rumble studio is the perfect model for getting people in the door, getting them to try getting sweaty, see if they can build some new brain pathways and then get the dopamine dump after it's all done and realize that there's something here, there's something there. Can you talk to me a little about what you've seen in terms of people that have had zero martial arts experience come in, try it, and what has been the result?
2: Yeah, it's it's incredible. That's It's absolutely incredible to see people and to see to see the look on their face, and and you can you can see it in their eyes how they're feeling after that first uh, that first class or that first experience hitting the pads, um, and we have we have so many clients that came in. Maybe they were a little intimidated. Maybe they were injured. Maybe they were um, heavier than they wanted to be, and uh, not feeling confident in their bodies. Uh, and then they get into that room, and they realize that. No one's watching them. No one's judging them. It's okay if they're falling behind, if they're in a different physical space than someone else, they can just enjoy the experience and be inspired. And we have everything from weight loss stories with clients. We have, um, you know, emotional healing stories with clients where people came in and they were dealing with a divorce or the loss of a family member and they really use that heavy bag class to. Process that and come out the other side. Um, you know, one of our staff, she came to us as a strength and conditioning uh, specialist. wasn't really into boxing, but um liked the vibe and and thought she would try it out, and fell in love with boxing. And now she's on the road to becoming a pro fighter. Like she, just, yeah, yeah, uh, fell in love with it, and that's and has decided that that's what she that's her passion that she wants to pursue. Um, so we yeah we have all all walks of that you know we have um we have people that uh we have people in wheelchairs that come in and they do the one-on-one training when they can you know they can hit pads and fully experience that um yeah we've had we've had every possible scenario that you can imagine and i and i always see the um the feeling of empowerment on people's faces. and you see it in their bodies, too. They can you know as they come in, maybe they're they have a posture change when they come out the other side. Um, and that's that's one of the most rewarding things for me about what we uh, what we do at Rumble is seeing people transform, not just physically. Um, the physical transformation, it's so good to see. I love seeing people uh, feeling good in their bodies and um, feeling strong. Um, But to me, what is really a win is when we see people go through that mental and emotional transformation.
1: One thing I I really like, well, for anybody who hasn't experienced Rumble, their brand is, is stone cold from the logo, the imagery, the lighting, like they really put a lot of work into the details of the brand and brand is, you know, how you develop affinity for things. Well, one thing I really like how you said you're in the service-based industry, but you develop products, right? Mm. And that's something that people don't put enough thought into a lot of times. What is the product that this person is experiencing? And it sounds like on your team, you're responsible for a lot of product creation. Could you Mm -hmm. dive in a little bit about your product creation process and, um, you're, I, I, because when you create something, you're you're essentially birthing something out of thin air. How how mm-hmm. do you de- how do you develop this these products?
2: Yeah, so the first one, as I said, my my CEO had a vision of putting music to boxing, and how are we gonna how are we gonna do that? How are we gonna essentially marry um, kind of the the spin class experience where it's moving together to the to the beat. And how are we going to um, marry that with a boxing experience and hitting the bag? So I think the main thing was when we first started, it was very different when we first started creating the original product compared to what we're doing now. Right now, it's continuous improvements. It's continuous refinements through experience and through um. Uh, just little tweaks, right? We we observe our clients, we observe our staff, um, and then we make little tweaks to the product. But in the early days, it was really about, it was iterative. It was really about, okay, let's try it. <laughs> let's jump in. Let's give it a go and see what works. Um, so I I created that very first playlist. I'd never, I'd been to spin. I had done boxing, but there was nothing like what we, what we did. So took a stab at it, put together some music that I felt like they were, you know, they were bangers. Um, and we we just worked on practicing and trying to nail, trying to figure it out ourselves. And I think through that process, we um, refined and refined and refined. And the, the only way I can describe it is just just iterative and getting, a, really curious about what works, but B, to be honest, um, hypercritical about what works and what doesn't. And just really setting very clear standards and very clear expectations. Because now our challenge is we're growing at such a rate where um, we don't have time to let people experiment the way that we did. We don't have time to um, let people try and fail the way that we did in the, when we were, before we opened. So then what it has become over the last um, four to five years, once we kind of got through that initial year of, you know, opening, then what it's really come down to is systemizing. And this is where I really have done a lot of work is taking what's in my head and translating that into scorecards, systems um, and processes that can be replicated
0: that's such a challenge and that's definitely one area in our business that we're really focusing on right now as well, is that systemization. We're so good at operating in the chaos. we're firefighters, we're wartime generals and we enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Where we fall fall behind is is getting that systemization, getting that 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 repeatable, recipe to duplicate results consistently. And so that's really valuable for us to hear because that's kind of the phase in our journey that we're at, where we're really trying to bring those systems into place. With your business, it obviously sounds like your systemization needs to be so that when a franchise owner takes it over, they have the script and it's a winning script. And all you have to do is follow these steps, run this protocol, here's your marketing material, Hit the ground running. Has there been a one area of that process that has been more challenging than others to make it so that someone can grab a franchise, hit the ground running, and and run a profitable business mm-hmm. right out the gate?
2: I think it's the it's the people side, right? Um, because your people are your most unpredictable, and your your people are your um the magic they're the special sauce that makes it phenomenal right um you can systemize you can drill down as deep as you want into the systems but at the end of the day you're going to run across people that can deliver the systems but they're missing the spark they're missing Mm. that something special that's going to connect with people and makes me want to say I want to come back and I want to and I want to experience what this person has to offer again. Um, And so it's it's finding the people that can deliver on the systems, but then also bring their own special spark, their own special it factor to it. And I think that's the biggest challenge is finding creating the systems so that they're um, easily followed and easily duplicated but also finding a way to um, systemize, allowing, you have to almost systemize, allowing people to have that creative space to do what they need to do. There needs to be enough structure, but also a little bit of leeway and flexibility for people to do what they do. Cause that's really where the magic is.
0: Absolutely. And it just highlights the importance of soft skills. Mm-hmm. especially in a service-based business. A lot of people focus on all the hard skills. I know accounting, I can do I can execute, but the intricacies of personal interactions are often mm-hmm. underestimated with their importance. And I feel like your business is definitely heavily reliant on providing that exceptional connection and that experience where someone comes in and walks out a different person.
2: We're a relationship business, right? We're in the business of building relationships and and inspiring. Um, and that's, uh, you can have all the hard skills you want, but if you can't create authentic connection with someone, then it's just never going to be the same.
0: So what's next for Rumble Boxing? What do you have in your crosshairs?
2: Let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, so we're opening in Yorkville, uh, out in Toronto. Here in um, it'll be early to mid Q1 of 2023. So we've got that in the pipeline, and then working on a couple more corporate stores uh, next year as well. Um, so we'll be we'll be getting up to eight to ten corporate stores within the next um, 12 to 24 months here, um, and then we're also working heavily on the franchise side of our business so next year you'll start to see rumble boxing popping up all over canada um in some of the smaller centers um more locations in some of the larger centers uh you're going to see those franchises popping up all over so that's uh that's really our primary focus for the next um the next 12 to 24.
1: that's amazing so Mm -hmm. you kind of opened up a new segment I guess in our podcast we want to start interviewing more entrepreneurs talking more about business because we love talking about business and have it more specific on that and so I kind of want to ask the last question that rolls through everybody's mind so from a business perspective how do you view money and from a personal perspective how do you view money oh
2: that's a yeah Yeah. interesting Mm -hmm. um I think I think in both instances, um, money is a tool, um, and it's a it's a tool that you can't be afraid of. And I think a lot of people are afraid of it. Um, but I think you need to be you need to manage it tightly. I, I see a lot of people who are like, oh, you have to you know spend money to make money. Um, which sure is true, but I think a lot of times when people are throwing that kind of language around that they don't understand what their objective is. Um, but I think at the end of the day, it's a tool. And I think the less emotional you can be about it, both personally and in business, um, and the more you can view it as a, uh, a tool that can get you what you want when you understand it. Uh, the further ahead you're going to get.
0: Beautiful. And speaking of money, its value is decreasing as inflation is going up. And I know there's a lot of people out there that are starting to feel the pinch. And what we Mm -hmm. would like to do is offer a nomination for 10 of your clients, 10 deserving clients that you know are either going through tough financial times that might not be able to afford a new set of gloves, 10 pairs of gloves we would like to donate to your studio to give to free 10 of your clients of your choice
2: that's amazing thank you so much guys i love that
0: no problem and also too the major
1: major reason we started this podcast is because you have an initiative coming up and uh we wanted to uh spread some light about it could you share about uh what's going on this november slash december
2: yeah absolutely um so yeah we're really excited we've been working uh Working to raise money, one of our instructors, um, Nathan, he goes by Triple B in the studio. That's his uh, his heavy bag studio alter ego, Triple B. Um, he's got a glorious head of dreadlocks and he is going to be shaving those bad boys on December 2nd, um, provided that we as a team can raise $10,000 uh, for Movember for um, men's health and uh, mental health and all that good stuff. So we've been working on that. Um, December 2nd is the big head shave so we're doing a live DJ class Triple B is going to be teaching the class and we'll be uh, then streaming the head shave after that so um, yeah we're we're working on working on raising some money for a great cause right now and uh, and Triple B is is putting himself out there to to lose. I think he's had these dreadlocks for about 20 years. Whoa. <laughs> wow. That's crazy. It's a good, it's a it's a good look. It's 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 gonna be really interesting to see him without that, uh, without the the dreads. Wow.
0: Well good for you and good for everyone for getting behind this great cause and we'll help spread the word and try and help raise the funds as well because we're all about giving back to the community.
2: Yeah, thank you so much. If people do want to donate, um, there's QR codes on our own Instagram, Rumble Boxing, at Rumble Boxing. Um, And you can also find it on Triple B's Instagram as well. On Instagram, he's at Big Black British, and he's got the the QR codes all over his Instagram as well.
1: Perfect. We'll also be posting it in our feed, um, just sharing the love so people can uh, find that and donate as well. Uh, Amazing. where people can find you, find out more about your mission, understand what's going on with Rumble, what's the best way?
2: Yeah, uh, Instagram is, is great, at Rumble Boxing. Um, our website, rumbleboxing.com, or for myself personally, um, you can find me on Instagram, at Keelan B. Um, and we are always uh, always keeping all our stuff top of mind on our stories and, uh, and on our feed as well, so you can find us there.
0: Fantastic. Thank you so much, Keelan, for taking the time today. And thank you everyone for tuning in until next week. Signing off later.